If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes, but let me tell you, I would have been so wrong. I can't believe how many I had and all the money I was wasting. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over 500 million in canceled subscriptions. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. That's rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. Rocketmoney.com slash Wondery. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting tonight from the Democratic debate in Charleston, South Carolina. Good evening and thank you so much for joining us tonight as the seven candidates for the Democratic presidential nomination will fight it out right here on this stage. This debate may be the most important, coming just four days before the South Carolina primary and one week before the 14-state extravaganza known as Super Tuesday. Our latest CBS News poll shows Joe Biden with a slim lead here in South Carolina over the national frontrunner Bernie Sanders. Billionaire Tom Steyer is polling third. Today, the candidate took turns walking through the debate hall. And the biggest question is whether anyone can slow down Bernie Sanders, who could be on track to take a significant lead in delegates. The others have already stepped up their attacks. In new ads, Joe Biden accuses Sanders of trying to impede President Obama's 2012 re-election. Pete Buttigieg attacks Sanders' Medicare for All health care plan. And Mike Bloomberg is taking aim at Sanders' gun control record. No shortage of plot lines for tonight's debate here. And so Ed O'Keefe leads off our coverage. Just hours from now, candidates will take this stage for the final debate before Saturday's South Carolina primary and next week's Super Tuesday, when voters in 14 states cast ballots. At center stage tonight, Senator Bernie Sanders, the frontrunner, who's likely to face fresh attacks from more moderate opponents. For the first time, the Sanders campaign is providing what it says is a detailed plan to pay for some of the senator's most ambitious ideas, like Medicare for all, universal child care, and free public college. Thank you all very much. His competitors say the math doesn't add up. And it's those kinds of proposals that worry congressional Democrats, like Virginia's Donald McEachin, a supporter of former Vice President Joe Biden. You know, he's a democratic socialist, he's an independent, he's whatever he wants to be until it's time to run for president. Now he wants to be a Democrat. Uh, that, that, that dog doesn't hunt in Virginia. Michael Bloomberg has also signaled he plans to go after Sanders. He spent the last few days holed up with his team in Florida. Aides say he's aware of how his answers in the last debate to questions about his treatment of women were received and is preparing to actively respond tonight. After that debate, Bloomberg released three women who accused him of inappropriate and offensive comments from their non-disclosure agreements. It was 30 years ago. Get over it. In an exclusive interview with CBS News, his longtime partner, Diana Taylor, defended the former mayor's use of non-disclosure agreements. In none of them was he accused of doing anything and saying something nasty to a woman. That is not who he is. Life has changed. A Bloomberg campaign spokeswoman said Taylor's comments are, quote, not the view of the campaign. Meanwhile, tonight's debate still has the potential to shake up the results. Take, for example, our recent CBS News poll that found that up to 53 percent of likely South Carolina Democratic primary voters could still change their mind 
before Saturday. Nora. All right, Ed, thank you so much. And as the auditorium begins to fill up here, let's bring in Major Garrett, who will be joining Gail King and me in terms of moderating this debate. You know, Major, this is a key debate because not only is it the last debate before the South Carolina primary, but also Super Tuesday. It's make or break for these candidates tonight. And it's the last opportunity anyone not named Bernie Sanders has to slow his momentum. Bernie Sanders' momentum is real. It's not an abstraction. And every other Democrat on this stage tonight knows that. And Nora, you and I have covered presidential campaigns. You know opposition research is part and parcel of that. Most of that has been kept in the vault against Bernie Sanders, thinking he wouldn't get off to this fast start. Now that he has, all the campaigns are signaling to me today that vault's going to be open and it's going to spill out on the stage. It's also a big night for Joe Biden, right? He has called this state his firewall. Joe Biden has underperformed three times. He cannot underperform here. He must not only win in South Carolina, but win convincingly. Why do I say that? Even his campaign recognizes a narrow victory here is not enough to say, I'm the Bernie Sanders alternative. Joe Biden is fighting for the very last time to be that alternative. If he misses it here, he's missed it forever. Mayor Bloomberg acknowledged he did not have a no. good debate last time. What about tonight? Well, it's very difficult in politics to make a great first impression the second time. <laughs> he blew it the first time, but he is going after Bernie Sanders saying he's unelectable, that for conservative or centrist Democrats in House and Senate races, he's toxic, and that he's really bad on guns. Expect that issue to come up tonight. And Super Tuesday, those 14 states we're talking about, Bloomberg is outspending everybody by over $100 million. He's outspending, but what he needs on Super Tuesday is one of two things, wins or, at minimum, delegates. He has neither right now. He needs to show up big time and make that money worth something on Super Tuesday. I really can't think of a more pivotal night than really tonight. And, and you can feel the electricity. It's coming right up to us. So much. So, yeah, thank you, Major. We want to go now to the other big story tonight, a dire warning from the CDC that an outbreak of coronavirus is coming here to the U.S. It could be severe and Americans need to prepare now. There is also word that this country doesn't have enough face masks to contain an outbreak. The news sent the stock market reeling again. The Dow has dropped more than 1,900 points in two days. That's a loss of nearly 7%. Health officials warn the U.S. could soon see more cases as the virus spreads outside China. We have two reports tonight, beginning with Chris Van Cleve in Washington. And I understand, Chris, you have some breaking news. Nora, San Francisco has just declared a state of emergency, the first major American city to do so because of coronavirus, even though San Francisco has zero cases so far. But the CDC is saying it's no longer a matter of if but when the virus starts spreading here. The CDC is sounding the alarm tonight, warning Americans the coronavirus is coming. We are um, asking the American public to work with us to prepare in the expectation that this could be bad. The CDC's Nancy Messonnier said she told her own children to prepare for a significant disruption, and parents should ask their schools about plans for dismissal if the illness becomes serious in their communities. Fears the outbreak could cripple the global economy sent stocks tumbling for the second straight day, with United Airlines and MasterCard warning investors' earnings will take a hit. I think it's going to be under control. And President think, Trump uh, and his aides again. struck a different tone. And so far as containment is concerned, we have tightly contained this. But Republicans and Democrats on Capitol Hill who got an emergency briefing on the virus were not buying that claim. The bottom line is it seems to be getting worse, not better. Their anger focused on the lack of medical supplies needed in the event of an outbreak. Mr. Secretary, my budget you're, you're, supports, you're supposed to keep us safe. My budget supports the men and women you're of the, the Department Secretary of Homeland Security. Of Homeland Security. Yes, sir. 
And you can't tell me if we have enough respirators. Health and Human Services Secretary Alex Azar said the agency has only stockpiled 30 million respirators or face masks. They'll need 300 million for health care workers alone in an outbreak. Despite saying Americans don't need them right now, the cost of face masks has risen dramatically. And the largest U.S. manufacturer said it's fielding 100 calls a day. Chris Van Cleve, CBS News, Washington. This is Mark Phillips in Italy, where the police cordon set up to try to contain the virus in the north of the country is apparently leaking. The number of coronavirus cases is up 50% in a day to well over 300. At least 11 people have now died. The bulk of the virus cases in Italy have been from within this cordoned off area. But there have been a few cases reported now elsewhere in the country, and that's a worry. Police roadblocks can stop people, but can they stop a virus? New cases have now spread from the north across the whole country and to other countries, Austria, Croatia, Switzerland, France, and Spain. Another unrelated cluster has emerged in Iran, where an unwell-looking deputy health minister, Iraj Hirirchi, who had downplayed the outbreak of the disease there, has now admitted he's got it. The 11 people who have died so far here have been the vulnerable, the elderly who caught the virus when they were already weakened by another illness. And Nora, right now there are more than 30 people with the virus here in intensive care. All right, Mark, thank you. Tonight, Harvey Weinstein is being held in a prison ward of a New York City hospital one day after being convicted on charges that include rape. The verdict is being cheered by some of Weinstein's accusers who applaud the courage of the women who testified against the movie producer in court. And tonight, a juror is speaking out. Here's Jerika Duncan. Harvey Weinstein remains in a New York City hospital tonight under observation for heart palpitations and high blood pressure. His attorney, Arthur Adala. Obviously, for any human being, yesterday was a tremendously jarring and shocking event. Harvey, you messed with the wrong women. But there was no sympathy for Weinstein on the steps of the Los Angeles County Courthouse. This group, calling themselves silence breakers, is comprised of the nearly 100 women who accused the 67-year-old of sexual misconduct. Today, they savored the verdict. Even a man as powerful and famous as Weinstein will be held accountable. Miriam Haley's testimony helped convict Weinstein. I felt just very grateful that they, that I'd been heard and, and believed. A member of that jury who asked not to be identified spoke out today. Describe the moment where you all reached a decision. I felt like my heart was literally gonna pop out of my chest, but it was just like, this is it. Like, this is the moment. And that moment has been described by many as the beginning of a new era of justice for sexual abuse cases. As for Harvey Weinstein, once he's released from this hospital, he'll be sent straight to prison. And then he's expected to face a trial on sexual abuse case, a sexual assault rather, in Los Angeles. Nora? All right, a new era indeed, Jerika. Thank you. Tonight, newly released video is raising questions about police conduct in schools. This all started with a six-year-old girl acting out in class, and it ended with her restrained with zip ties and being put in the back of a police cruiser. Manuel Bohorkis on what the video reveals. It's for you. Keep your hands, okay? Come over here, honey. 
Body cam video captured the moment an officer restrained six-year-old Kaya Roll with zip ties before placing her in a police cruiser last September. She was accused of kicking and punching staff members, though some seem puzzled by the arrest. The officer acknowledges she's the youngest person he's placed in custody. She's six. Now she has broken the record. That officer, Dennis Turner, was fired days later. Kaya's case and that of a six-year-old student with special needs taken into custody in Jacksonville earlier this month have raised red flags for child advocates. Police presence does not make a school feel safe. What makes a school feel safe and supportive is actual supports and services for students and their families. Please let me go. Manuel Bojorquez, CBS News, Miami. Tonight, CBS News has learned the investigation into the disappearance of two children from Idaho now covers at least five states, including a two million acre national park. Their mother is under arrest in Hawaii and Jonathan Vigliotti is there. Tonight, as Lori Vallow sits in a Kauai jail, new details on the last days her two children were seen alive. Court documents reveal 17-year-old Tylee went on a family trip to Yellowstone September 8th. She's not been seen since. Police obtained a photo of Tylee inside the park. Sources close to the case confirm investigators plan to search Yellowstone for clues once the snow melts. And this doorbell video captures the last known image of seven-year-old JJ playing outside a neighbor's home in Idaho. He hasn't been seen since September 23rd. Two months later, JJ's grandparents in Louisiana asked for a welfare check. Investigators say Lori Vallow also spun a web of lies about the children. She told police JJ was with a friend in Arizona. That woman later told police Vallow and her new husband, Chad Daybell, asked her to lie. Lori claimed Tylee was away at college. She never enrolled. Lori told Daybell's parents she was an empty nester. The two flew to Hawaii December 1st alone. The implication of a parent who flies to Hawaii and won't return to a court order is that something very untoward has happened to these children. And police have searched the couple's condo and car and say there are no signs the two missing children were here in Hawaii. Vallo is fighting her extradition. There's a court hearing tomorrow to try to reduce her $5 million bail. Nora. All right, Jonathan, thank you. Tonight, there are winter storm alerts in at least 15 states from the Rocky Mountains to Maine. Parts of Kansas got more than a foot of snow today. There were numerous accidents, including a deadly pileup on Interstate 70. The storm is pushing east and could make travel dangerous through Thursday. It's the end of an era at Disney today. Bob Iger resigned as CEO, effective immediately. The company tapped Disney executive Bob Chapek to take his place. Iger had run Disney for 15 years. He'll stay on as executive chairman through next year. The University of Oregon's Sabrina Ionescu captivated the sports world Monday on two separate courts. Last night, Ionescu became the first college player, woman or man, to rack up 2,000 points, 1,000 rebounds, and 1,000 assists in a career. It came just hours after she delivered an emotional tribute to Kobe and Gigi Bryant in Los Angeles. Here in Charleston, we've been greeted with a huge helping of Southern hospitality, especially at a coffee shop where you'll find a lot of sweetness and not just on the menu. It smells like cotton candy. Oh yeah. At Biddy and Bo's coffee shop, 
Cotton candy frappes are the house specialty. Is this a popular drink? Um, yeah, very popular. But they're not the only thing that makes this place truly special. Very good, right? Wow. It's the people who work here. Is that it today? Like Trista Kutcher. As you can see, I'm I am not qualified <laughs> to work in a coffee shop. I still I need more training. It takes more practice. Amy Wright is the owner. As a parent of a child with special needs, you start thinking about their future, and one of the obstacles that people with disabilities face is finding meaningful employment. And um, the coffee shop was born out of that need. Two of Amy's children have Down syndrome, Biddy and Bo. For a long time, people with disabilities have had opportunities to work, but they've been in the back. Their faces haven't been seen, and so at Picking Bo's Coffee, the first face you see when you walk in is someone like Sam. So Sam, what's, what's it like working here at Biddy and Bo's? I'm here to do some more, and I'm not here to mess around. I love dance parties, but I'm, I'm here to get the job done. Sometimes dance parties are part of the job, especially since Sam Hazeltine was recently promoted. Everybody that walks through the doors here leaves with new perspective, knows that these individuals, their lives have value, and they deserve to be accepted and included. Me, Trista, are not broken. We're not broken. There are now five Biddy and Bo's coffee shops employing 120 people with special needs. We really feel like this is a place of hope, and we're just getting started. That's their hashtag, not broken, and now I have some friends for life. The hall is filling up for the Democratic presidential debate beginning at 8 Eastern time right here on CBS. Gail King and I will moderate with Major Garrett, Margaret Brennan, and Bill Whitaker joining us. Until then, that's tonight's CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in Charleston, South Carolina. We'll see you at the debate. In the 1980s, Frank Farian was riding high as a successful German music producer, but he was bored. German pop was formulaic, dull, and oh so white. Frank had bigger dreams, American dreams. He wanted to create the kind of music that would rival larger-than-life artists like Michael Jackson or Run DMC. So he assembled a hip-hop duo, two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? One very important element was missing, but Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's biggest controversies. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when their adoring fans learned about the infamous lip syncing, their downfall was swift and brutal. With exclusive interviews from frontman Fab Morvan and his producers Frank Varian and Ingrid Segui, this podcast takes a fresh look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Follow Blame It on the Fame wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus.